Welcome to Poetry Spotlight, presented by the Ohio Poetry Association. I am your host, Jeremy Jusek, and with us today is Johnny McIntyre. Johnny is the author of the forthcoming chapbook, Semi-Domesticated, which was the winner of the Red Flag Poetry 2020 chapbook contest. Her two previous chapbooks are titled Beyond the Sidewalk and Not All Who Are Lost Wander. She hosts a popular long-standing monthly poetry reading series called Uncloistered Poetry in Toledo, Ohio. Her writing has been published in anthologies, print journals, and online journals, and has been notably stamped into cement as part of the Arts Commission of Greater Toledo's Sidewalk Poetry Series. She, had le- she has led countless writing workshops and poetry events, and now she finds us here on Poetry Spotlight. Johnny, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. Of course. Would you like to read a poem to start us off? Yeah, um, I think I'll, I think I'll start with a little love poem, but you have to understand that um, I, I keep trying to write love poems. I, I'm married to a, a man who is a, a lovely poet, and um, he is also like a loving person. And so he writes these love poems, and they're very sweet. And um, I always have death in my love poems. <laughs> so anyway... Um, here's a love poem for you. The devil loves arithmetic. My love, you should know that I have already calculated the life insurance if you died. The partial disability, your school loan dissolved, the extra closet space and shoes near the door, an extra hook for coats. And before you bristle know this, it has nothing to do with socks perpetually scattered on the floor or the water glass forever dirty and in the sink not the unfolded laundry nor the doorknobs loose and waiting to be fixed the lights questionably wired the grass a haven for dogs and leaves I love you and always have it's just the math of it all the ease with which lives translate to numbers and numbers fit so tidy in boxes and spreadsheets make stacking boxes easy. Watching early morning news, another bombing in a foreign land where bodies that aren't ours aren't counted, followed by a school levy translated to cost per child and call in to talk. Do you think it's worth paying more? I can hear you rising from bed to bath and slow downstairs and I can't help myself six seven board creek eight maybe 23 more until you reach me thank you thank you love poetry it, it what are your struggles with it because I find it tremendously difficult to write love poetry yeah Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I think what it comes down to is that it's not that I'm not a sentimental person, right? Like, like everyone is sentimental in certain ways. Um, but I'm not, um, sweet, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so like, I don't, um, I don't look for the pretty things. I don't <laughs> expect the pretty things. Uh, there's, you know, I think that um, things that are really gorgeous are sort of the the broken vase with the cracks in it. And the, okay, right. Um, 
and that they have that complexity, right? Like real things have complexity. And so the sort of, you know, just, just, um, oh, happy day, happy joy, love, you're the best thing that ever, whatever, um, is dumb. I, I, you know, I like, I don't, I don't get it, you know, but my husband is better and other people are good at that. Like they can do the complexity, but also have it be just nice and not like, I love you. I don't want you to die, but I do not want to have to pay back your student loan, you know, but I like, you know, very practical person. Um, so yes, but I keep trying. And the funny thing is, I seriously do. I, tr I, I try, I'll like write a new one and I'll go, oh, this one has roses in it, but it's about the rose bush dying, you know? <laughs> and then I go, God bless it. It's the middle of the thing. It's dying. again. <laughs> time. What is that? Well, I just, you know, after a while, you just have to lean into it. Okay, there you go. Love and death. Sometimes food. <laughs> When you when you think about love, do you think about it in a complex way? Do you have sweet emotions? Like, is it is it a difference between how you see love or how you feel comfortable communicating love? That's a really good question. I think um, I think I think both. I mean, I think both. Um, I don't trust sweet things. I think that's part of it. You know, you think of, um, I don't trust sweet things. I don't trust pretty words. I think there's something really, uh, and, and I do find that that's something that is a theme with me. Um, I try to find the, the commonalities in things and um, in, in the, the, pretty perfect vase what the flaws are or what the weaknesses are mm -hmm. um and i don't think that makes it weak i mean here's the important part of that right i don't think that means that it's a bad vase i just just because it looks pretty doesn't mean it's better or good or you know what i mean absolutely so i think there's there's to me there's that um you know just because um whatever you, you are, oh, I don't know, you know, um, talking to someone who's an expert at something, it doesn't mean they're an expert at everything. They're an expert at the, the thing that they're an expert at. But I think we do this thing where we sort of assign roles to things and we make them absolutes, you know? And I've been thinking about this recently about how, um, about heroes and how, like, I know I'm veering. But <laughs> let's follow me here um, about how we sort of build up these heroes and um, we want people who say true things to always be saying true things, but um, that's not true. They're just people. So what happens is some things they say are true and really important and really pertinent. And then five seconds later, they might say something that is not and is not helpful. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, of, you know, famous people who, who uh, make money by talking and, and sometimes they make really good observations. And then five seconds later, they say something just absolutely terrible. And um, 
It doesn't mean that the observation was not true. The first thing was true, but it's so complicated because I think we want there to be leaders who are just good all the time and we don't have to worry about it. And we can just give over to that and give over to hero worship or something. And I think we were raised, you know, my generation was raised with the great man theory and here are the great men in American history. And here, you know what I mean? We oh. learned that Thomas Jefferson was all that. And he was this wonderful guy. And, and that all of our founding fathers were just these immaculate people. And um, right, eventually you find out Santa Claus doesn't exist. And you start going, I mean, I don't want to lose my holidays. Mm -hmm. because all of my heroes have fallen <laughs> and I don't think you have to lose your holidays because all of your heroes are falling. so I feel like we're we're you know and and this isn't maybe new but I think there's a, a sort of generational thing going on or there's something going on right now where we're really having a hard time individually and maybe as a as a country or, or whatever uh you know we're looking for these heroes and like nobody's a hero like they're just they're just some people who are really good at certain things and they've done great things and they can do great things, but they also mess up. And so um, you can't just follow them. You have to, you know, support the thing that is the good thing yeah. and follow up and uh, call out when the next thing they do isn't okay. It's okay to call that out and they can still have done a heroic thing in the past or done something really great in the past. Um, and I think the reason why this is really important for, for people to, to kind of reframe to, into this, like, there aren't just heroes and then regular people, we're all regular people and just some people get more attention or have done big things because that means I could, that means you could. That means anyone could. There aren't heroes over there and then us over here. There's just people, which means when I see that somebody who I thought was this great person kind of falls, it's not great. I mean, that isn't great. That's always a, a terrible thing is happening for them and for other people. However, that's human, you know? And there's some within that sense of, but that means I, who constantly fall, who constantly make mistakes, who feel like I can't get anything right, maybe I can. Maybe it's just reach for the big thing or stick with it or, you know, whatever. Find, find your, your tribe that will support you or whatever it is. Um, but I, I do feel like that's a thing that's that sort of, um, in the air right now is this that we're, we're changing how we see um, the world around us and hopefully I hope moving away from the hero worship um, and hopefully toward a if I want things to happen in my life or in my neighborhood or in my world I have to start acting I have to start making those things happen and that's that's just being a person you know you can you can be good and bad and all of these things that's that's human as a person who fails regularly that's <laughs> those are inspirational words <laughs> right I mean I, and I am I'm a very anxious person I'm a very you know I really question myself and I really um whatever 
but it does strike me, but I've never, I've not really had heroes. And part of it is because I look at people who have been held up to that height and I go, oh my gosh, what a terrible thing for them. They have so far to fall, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't, I don't want to be there and I don't want to be all the way down here. I, I just don't believe that everybody else is down here and we can't do anything right, but these other people are just immaculate. It's just not true. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I, I do see that kind of happening, you know, more socially and, and stuff like that. How, how do you see your, in what context do you see your husband's poetry? Does he write you like, you know, romantic poetry? And in, how do you receive that? Well, he, he writes all kinds of stuff. Um, so he's, he's, you know, uh, a poet and he reads at readings and he's, you know, sends stuff out and, all of that. Um, and he's also a, um, he's a spray paint artist. Um, and, uh, so of course we have that situation where sometimes you write something that is, it is about the other person, but it's not just about them. I mean, it's sort of, you know, it can be somewhat about that person, but also about love in general or, you know, other feelings that you have. Okay. So this is the lovely thing about poetry. It's not fact, but it's true things that are, that can um, be told uh, using fictions, right? Sure. So, um, so you can, uh, you can fabricate some around it, which is why it's just d- delightful. I don't understand why anyone would want to do um, you know, I don't want to do journalism. I tried it. It was terrible. Um, but, but so he's better able to, um, he's more appreciative. (laughs) I'm I'm just, I'm a little bit of a jerk, you know, and he's just more appreciative of, of kindnesses, um, or he's better at talking about them. And so I think he's better at talking about uh, sweet thing about kindness it's really kindness um oh, and that second one that first one was too harsh on yourself <laughs> <laughs> um but I think that's it you know and and I really sort of don't I I'm, I think I think just when I when I talk about relationships first of all I have a hard time talking about just good parts of relationships and that's just uh uh family history of depression I'm sure so you know whatever situation I'm like you know like the Debbie Downer of the um so sometimes I I you know I can see that in myself that I do that um I think also I don't I don't necessarily feel the need to write those things out so some people are like everyday writers Mm. they get up in the morning and they you know set an assignment for themselves or they have a regular routine and I should do that and someday maybe I will but I do not I'm very ADD and I um I really only write when I am driven to you know I I have something to say I wanted you to know but that means that I'm trying to work something out probably, or I'm witnessing something that I want to make sense of. 
And, um, and I think for me, sometimes the, the love thing is like, well, I don't have to talk about it. I mean, you know, mm. we're here, we're fine, you know, like, like whatever, <laughs> um, you know, so in that sense, right. He's, he's a little better at, you know, at the thoughtful gift giver, as opposed to the person who's like, I bought you a vacuum cleaner because we needed a vacuum cleaner, you know. Um, so, but it's your height. I measured the. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you said you liked this kind, you know, and that's the sweetness. Um, yeah, I, so I think that's, that's part of what happens for me is that um, I, I can't speak to what, what drives him. You know, I mean, I, he's, he's a storyteller. I think he's, he's really good at narrative and um you know building a whole a whole story in just a, a you know couple pages and and in poetry you know mm. um and i i am more um i do narrative style but uh, i think i know um jim ferris one once said that i'm the um a poet of moments and uh, I think that's true. I think sometimes what I do is I end up writing, you know, that, that moment when you are in a car and you're about to get into a car accident and everything slows down for a second. And that's, that's you know, I try to capture that, that moment because that's the distillation of all of those fears and all of the assurance that you were fine until that moment when you recognize that you aren't or, you know, whatever that is. Um, and, and to me, there's, there's a little bit of, um, a puzzle to it. How can I, how can I fit all of this different, um, action and, um, you know, math or whatever, you know, I, I, sometimes I'll, I'll have different little, little themes that will come in. Um, how can I work some of those into it so that you do have that whole, all of those things, you know, all of the history of the person and all of the history of this car that the brakes hesitate you know or whatever you know weird weird little things um because that's the challenge to me is to then you know when i when i read a poem that i think oh that just really hit just the right way um that's what it's doing it's somehow encapsulated all of these things and so i feel like i'm in it and i can hear it and i can smell it and i can see it and it doesn't have to be narrative it could just be you know, a list poem or um, whatever, you know, it, it written in a different kind of style, but you still have that same sense of sort of being in the middle of it. And that's that getting lost in it, even just for a second. And I, I've, I enjoy that, you know, so that's the challenge is to try to do that. Yeah. I, and I, I would, I would agree with that assessment that those, those, those moments, because I actually wrote a question for this. Oh, good. Um, because it does feel like you're you're distilling memories. Like you have a nice, like a Polaroid, if a Polaroid could contain all five senses sort of thing. Sure, sure. Like, right, right. You have these nice cross sections of experience and you do yeah. such a good job of kind of, kind of how they show it in a movie where someone's taking it all in and they've got you know, a 30 second montage for a right. moment that's happening in less than a second. And that's what it feels like, you know, sometimes Good. in your poetry. Like I, I really felt that with rain, you know? Yeah. Um, so how do you just, dis- how do you select which, how do you prioritize that sensory detail and, and how do you select the memories that are important? 
So I think moment. some of the memories that are important um, are ones that you want to process, right? There's, there's a situation or a feeling or something. And um, I don't, I, I want to process it for myself. So I can, you know, uh, set it aside and observe it as a, as a separate entity, right? Mm-hmm. And so there might be, um, you know, uh, well, going back to the sort of car accident analogy, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, and I've been in car accidents before and to, and, you know, to sort of go, okay, what, what was going on with that? Or, well, I'll tell you, there was another um, poem that I had, had written and it was about my youngest kid um, had a uh, full convulsive seizure uh, at, at the age of 11 and in our house, nothing was going on. Just turns out my kid had epilepsy and that's how you find out sometimes. Um, and how do you sum that up? <laughs> how, do I, how do you sum up the, the shock of that moment? How do I, um, I don't want to write in a journal every day, pages and pages and pages of something I'm never going to read again. You know what I mean? I think that's part of it. I'm so lazy. I don't want to have to do that. So I'm just going to write a poem that sums it up. And this is the thing that happened to me. And then I can let it go. And that's the journal that I want to write is all of those, you know, the significant moments, but sort of um, encapsulate it. So I don't have to write all of the other sentences, which are just fluffy words all over the place, you know, Um, I think the other thing that happens is uh, you, you, you know, you become um, emotionally responsive to the world around you. Right. So um, yes, I wrote COVID poems because this is what's happening and you emotionally want to deal with it and, and try to find a, a, a way of sort of, communicating what you're feeling um especially at a time when you you're not even sure what it is so uh you know i early on in um well last april or march or april right when the whole world's shut down in 2020 and um there was not new content on um you know the streaming services uh, but we were all doing nothing but watching TV, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then Tiger um, King came out and everything changed. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And um, and so what they were doing was they were they were playing um, old basketball games, um, like the the old ones with with Michael Jordan and and with Larry Bird and stuff like that. And um, you know, and this is this is in I think it was April. I mean, it was it was March, April. Um, at, Everyone was home. My kids were home. My husband was home. Everyone is home all the time. We can, if, if I went for a walk and I saw somebody, first of all, I was like, hi, you know, I was so needy uh, to, you know, like whatever, talk to them or something. And then they would like scurry away because we were still afraid of each other, you know, and it was just so um, emotionally, whatever the whole world, every you're feeling everything at once and so anyway um i i used to love watching basketball so i ended up watching this basketball game and uh i wrote a poem 
And it was pulling the lines out of, um, you know, when you watch a, a, when you watch sports, the commentators, they have to like entertain themselves for hours, right? And so sometimes they say really funny things and they try to like come up with philosophies while they're there, like they got nothing else to do. So they're like coming up with stuff and they're playing off of each other and, you know, whatever. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm watching this game and I'm like catching these great lines from these commentators going, that's good. So I got to write this down. I am stealing this stuff, you know, <laughs> Make a sentence um, out of it. <laughs> and so I ended up writing this poem that was sort of, you know, synthesizing, watching that, and then feeling the things that we were feeling at the moment. And, um, and so, you know, that it was a really good journal entry, right? I, I got those that some of those feelings out that we were having, and then I found a way of doing it that I could enjoy. And, and I think that other people can appreciate, you know, um, and hear. I think that's the other, you know, sort of difficulty sometimes. Um, how do you write something that has meaning to you? But of course, it would just be a journal flip just to talk to myself. I don't want to do that. I want, I want to say something out loud and see, do you feel this way too? Um, because I know when I have read poems that I think are really hit hard, um, they say true things that other people have been afraid to say. And that's huge to me. That's, that's, you know, they were massively important at the time that I read them. Yes. I would love to be someone who wrote something that a person picked it up, read it and went, um, I didn't know how to say that. Yes. That's what happened to me too. Or, you know, I felt that way and there's no word for that there's, there's a poem though, you know, so, um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, what is your earliest memory of poetry? I come from a family of readers. So, um, not necessarily poetry readers, but just readers, like sort of voracious readers of almost anything. And I would say in, um, in school, I remember poetry in school, which is why it's really important to teach it in elementary school and in every grade. But um, I remember poetry in school and I remember being I don't remember what age, but, you know, like third grade or f- something like that and writing something. And we had to write our little poems or, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, my, my teacher said, I, I don't believe that you wrote that. <laughs> I know, I know. And oh, I really, no. I didn't know what to do with that. I mean, I, I, I remember, and of course, you know, you do that thing where you're like, not quite sure you remember, did I think it up? Or did I like, really do this thing? But I feel like I remember like going home and going to my dad and going like, this isn't already a thing. Like, I didn't steal this from somebody, right? I I wrote it, you know. Um, But I I enjoyed it. I loved language. I love, um, 
I remember reading like Jabberwocky and, you know, Lewis Carroll. And um, I love the idea of having fake words that sound like words mm -hmm. and um, having a whole story, you know, even, even the, the, um, even all of the old dead white guys and, um, you know, Edna St. Vincent Millay, I loved Edna St. Vincent Millay, um, to be able to tell a whole story in a page or two. Again, I don't want to have to read the whole book. So <laughs> this is great. I could get all of the emotion and all of the, you know, cut to the chase um, in this little encapsulated thing. Um, I just thought that was so genius. And, and even, you know, then when you get into poetry that that plays with sound more and plays with rhythm um, and not just the rhyming stuff. I mean, like, you know, spoken word and, and um, you know, poetry that incorporates jazz and incorporates music. That's gorgeous. I mean, it's incredible. And you go, oh, that's the best puzzle of all. I love puzzles. How do you do that? How do I, somebody heard it and then also added words as they were hearing it and then wove it all together like that's just genius, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then I think, you know, as, as uh, you go through school, um, you know, we got to like high school and I was in journalism. I was the editor of the newspaper and I, you know, was in the act, I did the um, theater stuff and, and theater, I think, um, reading plays people don't read plays anymore but actually reading plays again you have to sum up everything about that character in the things they say in how they move which you only get very little space to say so there's just this this gorgeous um puzzle of brevity how do i encapsulate all of this movement and all of this tension and all of this complexity of of human relationships into five acts but you can't tell anybody you know like what anyone's wearing you know you can't unless it's absolutely necessary you can't just say you know all of these extra words you have to trust whoever's reading it to like get what you're trying to do here so, you know, I, I got into that and I went, oh my gosh, that's the world of writing has so many uh, challenges to it and really exciting challenges. And I think why I come back to poetry is that you can do all of those. I mean, you can have a prose poem and you can have flash fiction, which, you know, can also be poetry or whatever. Um, and you can have poem that is a play you know or you can have I mean it's genius like there's nothing you can't I feel there's nothing you can't do in poetry you know if you frame it right <laughs> so um yeah yeah rap, rap is just fast poetry with, with music rap is fast poetry <laughs> all songs are songs are still ballads I mean it's all poetry man and commercials that's a different kind of poetry. I mean, it's all around us all the time. It's funny to me when the, and it always happens every, you know, whatever, five years, 10 years, the New York Times article, the Wall Street Journal article is poetry dead. 
they, you know, they trot that one out every once in a while. And you go, you know what? Half of your copy is ad space, <laughs> which is just poetry with a very specific goal. So, you know, get out. It's all around labor. us. Yeah. 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 So, I, re- I remember when Kendrick Lamar won the Pulitzer and I was so happy, not, not just because it was the first rap album to win, you know, the first rap artist to win. Yes. And it was a sharp departure from the stodgy stuff that had come before it, you know, right. all due respect to the excellent work that preceded it. But it, it, I had friends asking me why. And I was like, because this, he's a great writer. Why not? <laughs> he, he is why a- have we waited so long? I know there was, there was an, an, an article and I can't even, you know, I can't accurately recall where it was or, or what the specifics uh, of it were. But the gist of it was, you know, Well, now that it seems like recently uh, contests are being won by non-white males. Oh, there it is. That was their concern, right? (laughs) And they're like, what what good work is being passed over right now? And let let me ask this question. What good work was being passed over for all of history? That's it. And I'm not saying that the people who have become the canon, there isn't something there. Again, they're not heroes. They're not better. They're really good. They're really, really good. But maybe they aren't the few. Maybe there are the many. And there are all kinds of other people out there writing all kinds of interesting things. And if they got half of the attention and any of the support, who knows where they would have gone? farther i don't know how will we know until we start actually doling out some credit to people who don't normally get it and you know and and what of it what of it It, we can't all win awards we can't so at some point there is a you pick this person or you pick that person they might be equally qualified you know going into this you you know you wanted me to start with a poem and I was fretting because I'm like, which, which one poem? What, how do you introduce yourself as a poet with one poem to, to define them all? You know, um, you can't. You just pick a really good one. And it might be just as good as the other one over there. And somebody might like this one a little bit more than the other one over there. That's okay. Let's keep, I mean, yeah, keep having the conversation. Keep doing it. And then next year... We'll look at all of the candidates and we'll try and pull in different candidates and who knows where it will go. That's the whole point. Who knows where it will go? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you had mentioned support because I, I think support is, it, you can empower whole communities. You can empower a single person through just simple mentorship. Um, you had, you had an event where a teacher uh, told you that art isn't for everyone you seem like you're good at math. And you know, I imagine that had an impact on you. Like, did, did it change how you viewed yourself? Did it change how you approached create creative endeavors or even math? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I always did like math. I do like math. So um, I appreciated that they thought I was good at math, I guess. But um, I think, I think in fact, I was, the subtext yeah. of what that statement is saying. Yeah, I, you know, whatever. I, well, so I, I, and in fact, I, it was, it was in, I think, uh, you know, late elementary school, middle school, 
kind of time frame. And, um, and I was a math tutor at the time. So um, I think they knew that. Um, but there was, yeah, they were like, yeah, you're not really good at visual art. And so I did avoid it forever. I, I didn't take any um, until my senior year. And then when I took it my senior year in high school, because I really took it as a blow off, like, whatever, I'm not going to take, yeah, I'm not going to worry about it. You I'll don't want art, me, I don't you want know. you. <laughs> yeah, I'll take art and, you know, whatever. It'll be fine. And um, I loved it. Of course I loved it. How can you not love art if you're given opportunity? And yeah, my art teacher was like, where have you freaking been? <laughs> well, this teacher said that I'm not really good. I just like, God, that's the worst. <laughs> so stupid. And she probably had you cutting out squares or some stupid thing like that. I'm like, yeah, I think it actually was something that was like, that. You know, like <laughs> do a mosaic or whatever. And that just wasn't my shtick, you know? So it's like, um, I think, I think that's, that happens to a lot of people. And, um, and, and I think it actually fits into that whole, you have to be a hero. I've actually had people say, why, you know, I've, I've had um, writing workshops and I've had writing workshops with, with different groups of people, not necessarily people who become published authors. And I've had uh, people that I, I worked with say, but why, why bother writing if you're not going to get, make money at it? Why bother doing things if you're not going to make money or if you're not going to be good at it? Yeah. And um, first of all, I think that's a horrible way to live your life. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's how, how we're all failing already, if that's how you feel. Um, and, but I think that's what happens to people. They think they have to be good at things already. And I know that, that social media and the ability for pho- phones to do photo editing on the fly doesn't help. Because all of this makes it seem like everyone else is genius at everything. Mm-hmm. And they aren't. They just aren't. They're not heroes. They're not better. They might be really good at some things. But they're just people. Um, but we, we don't see that. You know, we just see our own faults. And then we see these you know, pretty versions of other people. And the things they do and where they live and, oh, you know, whatever. And we convince ourselves that we aren't worth trying for. We aren't worth working for. And, um, and that we don't have anything to say. And I've had people say that, you know, oh, you know, let's, let's do, let's write some poetry. And like, I don't really have anything to say. Everybody's got something to say. Holy goodness gracious. <laughs> goodness gracious, everyone's got an opinion about everything. It doesn't have to be an opinion. It can be something that happened to you. It can be what you see in other people or my favorite color, things that I like. You know, most people have a favorite sweater. I mean, anything. Why is it your favorite sweater? There's something comforting about that. And most of our memories, just like that, those poems where you have an an action going on, but it carries more than just that action. Most of your memories carry other things with it. You like that favorite sweater because your grandma had a gray sweater that looked just like it. And she smelled this very specific way. And it unlocks a whole scene. It unlocks all of these things. And most people 
when they stop themselves from writing, they're also stopping themselves from connecting with those memories, connecting with those things that actually make them feel good about themselves. Things that are I statements without just talking about yourself. When you write about things that have affected you, you're not really just talking about yourself. You're talking about things that affect people. So other people read that and they recognize themselves in it. And that's the whole power of communication ultimately is that, you know, you said something and I understood it and now we're in a conversation. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I want people to do that. I don't want them to, to think they're not good at, they're only good at the one thing. They're not good at the other thing. I want them to try it. Just try, just, just write anything, write in rhyme. If that's what you like, rhyme it. If you just want to do dirty limericks, write dirty limericks all day long. Who cares? You know, um, do that. And you don't have to publish it. You don't have to make money. You're never going to make money off of it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> You're never going to make money off of poetry. Okay. Things around poetry, maybe publishing, you know, owning a small press, maybe, I don't know. Being a professor, that's the surest way to actually have an income, maybe. But, um, you know, the thing itself, so you got to let go of that. So if you didn't have to worry about making money, it would be a lot easier to enjoy art, to enjoy the making of art, to enjoy the just exploring communication and your own memories and your own connections to other people. And at some point, when you start writing out those memories, you stop writing about yourself and you start looking outside and seeing other people and seeing your reflection in them. And that is the power because now once you've gotten to that point where you're, you know, sort of seeing in them, the, the things that you connect to, you know, you can talk to them, you know, you can, you can try to write something that includes their pain or their joy or their, you know, um, dreams or anything. And you can do it with the voice that you know, which is only your own. You can't speak from anyone else's voice, but you can speak to what you see in other people through your voice. And that I think is a very, you know, humanizing thing that if we practiced it a little more, we'd all get maybe a little better at this, you know, hearing each other, talking to each other thing. So, um, so yes, I do think those, those moments, um, even the negative ones, sometimes what you learn from your childhood is what you don't want to do. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be, you know, um, I, I want to be something that is, that is more um, supportive of people around me. Again, I'm a little bit of a jerk though. So I'm not going to say that I'm always, you know, happiness and light or anything, but it's a long and winding road and we're all just trying to get someplace. So, you know. <laughs> I, I think you, you sound extremely supportive of people around you. And I'm sure that comes with extensive workshopping and, you know, your reading series and all that. Um, and when you encounter these things, when you're, when you're dealing with people, because I know I've seen all these things, these insecurities and these hesitations 
and this adversity to risk and this preoccupation with monetization, if those things crop up in my workshop and workshops that I attend all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and do you have, how do you approach that? Do you, do you try to address it every time? Do you, what do you do to, to get through to people, to let them know, Hey, it's okay to just be yourself and to write still want to write well and you still want to edit your poems make sure. it as it possibly can be but right. don't be afraid about trying to do something specific how do you how do you approach right. that um i i think it's it's you know the you don't learn any instrument overnight you just don't learn it you don't learn how to play the piano um by doing it one time and expecting to be you know incredible at it um, and you're certainly not going to get have a concert all to yourself the first time that you play the piano. I mean, you're just not. Um, and that's OK. Nobody's expecting it. I think the, the most important thing is to take away that expectation. Um, just to just to, you know, say you can do anything here. I don't expect you to do anything more than what you can do. OK. And then um, I think the other thing that's really important and, and uh, you know, um, and there are people come to workshops at different levels. So there's a big difference between a workshop with people who don't normally write and certainly don't normally write and send things out to, you know, which is a judgment situation, right? Yeah. Um, you have to make yourself real vulnerable, but also pretty thick skinned in order to send things out to be either published or judged or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I would say with anybody who is new and, and just starting to write or just really interested, um, write as often as you can. Um, try everything. Try to write a limerick. Try to write a sonnet. Try to write whatever, you, whatever you're doing. Imitate other people. Read everything. Read everything. Even things you don't think you would like to read try it just just to see and then confirm that you don't like it that's fine you know um I I think the hardest thing is that when people when people come to a workshop and they're like okay I want to write a book and you go okay that's great you have a bunch of poems no okay you want to write a book of poems yeah because I want to sell it you go okay why do you want to write a book of poems because you're to sell it I mean if you think you're again if you think you're going to make money uh there's a lot better ways to make money um if you want that as a long-term goal that can be a good long-term goal and there's just like learning the violin or you know, running a marathon, you, you get up every day, you have to go through your drills, you have to, you know, you try stuff, you read things. Um, I do think beyond all of that, um, the, I think the biggest things are read everything. Just write, just write things, you know, try to write without judgment. I've never done it myself. I'm terrible at that. But um, but it is a practice and I'm working on it. I'm getting better every day. Um, and, uh, and then I think the third thing is um, try to find supportive groups that you can stick with that will support your writing. So 
um, I have found, you know, in Toledo, we have a lot of writers and um, we have so much talent here and we have a number of different groups that, you know, kind of work together and support each other. Um, we have different, we ha there's a, a writing group in Toledo that focuses more on fiction, um, but they've been going for years. They meet like once a week or once every two weeks or something, and they've been going for years and they've put out books. And I mean, they're, they're doing the good work and it helps to have that group of people there just to, to keep you honest, to keep you going, to remind you that you don't have to be perfect, to remind you that you do have to keep showing up and you have to keep trying. Um, if that's your goal and, and you really do want that, that's the thing you want, not money. That's okay. If that's your goal, you're going to want to go in a different direction. But if your goal is to have this, this book of, you know, romance poems, paperbacks, cookbooks, <laughs> cookbook. I mean, I mean, or just be creative. I mean, yeah, there's, I don't know, you know, I have, if I knew how to make money, I would be in a different situation. Right. But, um, so I think there's that, but those three things, I think read everything, write and just try stuff and, and try not to judge it, but try to keep going. Try not to have emotions about the things you write, you know? Um, and then the third thing is um, find that community that, that is supportive of your writing and build that community out. And when you do feel that you are a stronger writer and a little more self-assured and a little more polished, offer that community to, to the new, you know, the new guy or the new woman who doesn't, who is feeling like, ah, uh, you know, somebody told me once I, I don't talk right. And you go, oh, you talk great. You talk great. Let's hear what you have to say. They probably weren't listening. So let's figure out how to get them to listen and, and, you know, go from there. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's how I would try to approach it. Fair enough. All right. Well, would you like to read another poem before we sign off? Um, yeah, I think, I think I'll go for, um, I think I'll go for one that's just a little bit, uh, a little bit lighter. Okay. So, well, <laughs> it's not lighter, but it sort of is. Um, it's called On Driving Heather to Radiation. <clears throat> We're at the clinic just in time to watch The Price is Right, to check out contestants with customized t-shirts assaulting Drew Carey, shaking and falling like clowns at his feet. Six weeks of this. There's free coffee but it's barely beige. All of the magazines are about cancer except for two. The women's day from an earlier season has been memorized by the end of week one. And we joke about writing something silly for field and stream, a camping trip for women who could not care less about nature. By week three, her hair is falling out, but only in the front. Heather's wearing Steve Tyler scarves and really rocking them. Shaving her head's the next step, but she's not ready. As I wait for her, 
I watched Drew Carey call a housewife from Pasadena into play, and what looks like her entire neighborhood stands up screaming with joy. And I swear, if Carey called me up, I would play and scream and cry just like the people on TV. I would find the highest bid and add one, would look to Heather in the crowd, reading her face to decide if the coffee brewing alarm clock is worth more than the Liquid X Ultimate Car Detailing Kit, and the final spin at the big upright wheel that's all chance and small flags, big numbers you want but little that can add up, I'd pray to the God I long ago gave up on for the gold 85 followed by the magic of green 15. And if, like a miracle, all of that just being there added up to something, I'd fall on my knees like all the winners do, wrap myself around Drew and scream hallelujah. But then she comes back out, adjusts the scarf on her head, and we go pick up her kids from preschool. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Pleasure's all mine and everyone else's. This is it's great stuff. Okay. Uh, this has been Poetry Spotlight, a production of the Ohio Poetry Association. Please follow the OPA on Twitter at Ohio Poetry and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ohio Poetry. A transcript of this episode can be found on the OPA blog. Visit ohiopoetryassociation.org for more information. And Johnny, thank you so very much for coming. Thank you, Jeremy. Oh.